Well, good morning, family. This is a good day to, um, to receive the blessing of the Lord. We've been talking about that, and as we've been looking at, you know, starting off looking at Jacob, who was a blessing chaser and blessed of the Lord because he was, and, uh, and learning how to, um, you know, uh, press in to the, to the place of the Lord, as, as Scott talked about, you know, getting, going to that, that uh, tent of blessing that, uh, that we go to in our own lives, and hopefully this is a place like that this morning for you. We talked about um, breaking the curse of our families and bringing blessing to our families. And last week we talked about that it's okay to ask God to bless you. You know, to ask God to bless us and to say, Lord, Lord, bless us and, and, and expand our territory and keep us from evil and uh, that we might bless others and not bring harm to others. And we, we looked at that today. Um, I'll, I'll start with this. I'm going to ask this question. Have any, has anyone in here ever had a supernatural provision by God? You know that it was God who made this provision for you. Quite a few hands and a couple of hands. Yeah. Understand that. And, uh, and if you haven't, you probably will. You will have times when you're going to need God to come through. And you will see him. If you're a follower of Christ, you will see him come through for you because that's what he does. And, uh, and so today we're talking about, listen, we're, we, um, we find ourselves in times of drought and uh, in great need of, of rain, as the scripture refers to it. The rain of God's presence, the rain of God's blessing in our life. And uh, we come to these times in our life where we just need God's provision, whether it's a breakthrough in relationships, whether it has to do with our, 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 you know, our economic situations or our health situations. And there are so many places where in our life we just need God to bring through and there be a time of real outpouring and rain. And so today I want to take us to a portion of scripture that really kind of focuses on that in a way when there is a time of real drought. And uh, it's in 1 Kings chapter 17. And, uh, and the drought that is being talked about in this chapter is a physical drought. The, the land is without water. And uh, the story is that this is a time when the nation of Israel has really turned from God. They have two of the most wicked leaders. They're, they're King Ahab and uh, his wife Jezebel, who were just, um, they, they worshiped false gods. They rejected the God of heaven. They were, um, they were evil and immoral. And, uh, and as leaders, they've drugged their, the nation even further into sin. And it's gotten to the place now where they, the, the nation as a whole, there are a remnant, there are people who have not turned to the false god of Baal. They ha- there, are, there are people who are still serving the Lord, but as a whole, the nation is in great sin. And there's judgment coming. 
And God calls the prophet Elijah, who's uh, one of the most well-known prophets in the Old Testament. And Elijah, God give, has Elijah actually speak for him. And, uh, and Elijah prays. The scripture tells us in, in the New Testament that Elijah prayed and it stopped raining. Not only did it stop raining, there was no dew on the ground, the scripture says. So we're talking really dry. And, and when he does that, um, of course, the Lord tells him, hey, you need to get out because um, Ahab and Jezebel will be after you. And uh, before that happens, you just get out of town. And he tells them where to go. And he tells them to go to the brook Cherish, which is actually a wadi. I don't know if you know what a wadi is. A wadi is a, 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 a like a little puddle of water. It could be like, look like even a small lake even that doesn't last. It, um, it, it fills up during the rainy season, but then it's gone. As, uh, as things get drier. And so it isn't a remaining lake. And that's really where he sends him. He sends him to a, a body of water that is going to dry up. And, and on purpose. And he says, I'm going to feed you there. And I'm going to command all the, ra the ravens to feed you. Now that sounds a little odd. That God is going to command the ravens. For one, why the ravens? Why not other birds? Why the ravens? Because the ravens actually in the Old Testament were unclean animals. And he chose actually an unclean animal to feed Elijah. And, and, and so the scripture says this, that every morning the ravens would go out and bring to Elijah bread and meat. So he had a sandwich every day every morning. And he had a sandwich every evening. Bread and meat he would bring to him and feed him. He would just, this, an odd way to provide, right? And, uh, and actually, it, not just odd, but who would not, you know, know that that was a supernatural way? There is something supernatural happening. You just don't tell ravens what to do. And, uh, and they don't obey, okay? But, here they are feeding Elijah. And, and the scripture says that, that then the wadi or the brook, Cherish, dried up. And, uh, and Elijah is, um, it's time for him to move on. Uh, <clears throat> and, and during this whole time, of course, there was no rain in the land. And, uh, and we're going to pick up the story in the 8th verse of the 17th chapter. Then the word of the Lord came to him, saying, Arise, go to Zarephath, which belongs to Sidon, and dwell there. And see, I have commanded a widow there to provide for you. Now, he said earlier he had, he had commanded the ravens to provide. Now he says he's he is commanding a widow, which when you get into the story, it doesn't seem like the widow recognized that she was commanded. I, I think God does command sometimes in our life, and uh, he orchestrates things, and we don't know that we've been commanded. And we end up following through because God is working through us for a specific purpose. And this, this woman um, is a widow, and uh, 
And you would probably, if you're Elijah at this point, um, processing, God's going to send me to a wealthy widow to take care of me. Isn't God good? He's sending me to this wealthy widow, and I'm sure she has a mansion, and she's got, you know, a lot to offer, and uh, we're going to have some meals. And it says, so he rose and went to Zarephath, and when he came to the gate of the city, which a widow was there gathering sticks, and he called her and said, please bring me a little water in a cup that I might drink. Now, he recognized she was a widow. Uh, I don't know how that was, but maybe because of where she was and what she was gathering. But um, so he asked her, kind of reminds you a little bit of the story of Jesus and uh, and uh, the, the woman who um, was at the well and Jesus asked of her to, for water because that, that's, that started a very important conversation about who Jesus was with that woman. Well, Elijah asked her for some water. He says, um, please bring me a little water in a cup that I may drink. And verse 11, as she was going to get it, now she's following through. Okay, he asked for water, and he, she doesn't just blow him off and say, get your own water. She's kind enough to go and get a cup to get water, and as she's going, he adds a little bit to it. Please bring me a morsel of bread in your hand. Now, this is really presumptuous. I mean, you, would, you wouldn't like this guy, um, you know, if you didn't know the whole background and story of who he was. You wouldn't, you'd go, who are you? Um, and so she said, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread. Now, that phrase right there, as the Lord your, your God lives, tells us that maybe she understands a little bit about God, but doesn't recognize the Lord as her Lord yet. Maybe that she is, she recognizes who he was. By the way, <clears throat> the place that she lives is where the Gentiles live. It's, it's not, this is not Jewish land. It's outside of Israel. God sends the prophet outside of Israel to a Gentile um, widow to be provided for. And so, <clears throat> as, um, as she, as she um, responds, she says, as the Lord your God lives, I do not have bread, only a handful of flour in a bin and a little oil in a jar. And see, I am gathering a couple of sticks that I may go in and prepare it for myself and my son that we may eat and die. <clears throat> so here is this widow who has nothing. It's not a rich widow. It's a very poor widow. She's got enough for just one more meal and she's going to eat it with her son knowing that there's no more left and they're going to die. And so that's her story. And, uh, and, and she is asked, she, Elijah says, and Elijah said to her, do not fear, go and do as you have said, but make me a small cake from it first. Like, go jump in a lake, buddy. <laughs> you know, isn't that kind of your response? And obviously, her heart's a little different, and maybe she's recognizing something about who he is.
But this is, the, this is a woman that God chose. God wants to bless this woman, and God wants to use this woman. And, uh, and this woman's heart is the kind of heart that God loves to use. This is a woman who, in her poverty, it still has a generous spirit. And so he, um, she, she, her response, you know, <laughs> we're going to die. And, and he said, listen, just give me some of that. So your last meal, by the way, isn't going to be as good as you thought it was going to be. And uh, bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. So give to me first. And then you can have the rest. That seems cruel, but it's actually in kingdom principles, it's a blessing. He is teaching her something. He is opening the door for blessing to come to her that she couldn't otherwise receive. And by, by giving her the information that was necessary and, and asking her to do something that would, in fact, open that door, it seemed like it's kind of, well, you're just asking too much. And, uh, and yet, God does that at times. God oftentimes asks us to give out of our need, not out of our abundance. And I'm not just talking about financial resources, even though that's kind of the text of, of this. That's not all that God asks of us. That he asks us to give when we really are depleted because it's in that generosity that a door and windows are open for us to be blessed of the Lord. Isn't it the Lord who, who said, it wasn't, you know, it wasn't man-made. God had said that he would open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that they could not contain it. What was the context of that? It was in the context of you give the first fruit of, your, your, of what God gives you. You give that first to God first. That was, he was talking about the tithe. And he says, you give that first, and now the windows will be open to you. Blessing and opportunity for the flow of God's blessing in your life will come. Now, we're talking about the drought. We're talking about a time when there is no, no more. There's everybody. Everybody is in this kind of state. But he goes to a widow who has no one to help her. Her husband has died. She's her, the sole provider of her and her son, has nothing left, and says, give to me. Learning that principle is such a valuable thing in all of our Christian life. I um, remember early on, I'm grateful. At the time, I was not happy about it. But I'm grateful for the early days of our, Carol and I, in, in ministry. Um, we, well, the church asked us to work full time while I was going to school. And, and then it was that mentality. You're supposed to live in poverty while you're, you know, you're in ministry. And that was, a, that, that was the value system that was kind of there. And so they made it so. <laughs> and so we're working full time. And even then, I think we're making $400 um, a month. And uh, we had a, 
we had we lived in a, a little apartment that was eighty nine dollars a month. So we, we survived. We're we're doing okay. We had uh, we had we had a couple cars, and uh, and we had no money in the bank. And I remember I was it was a, a midweek uh, time there. They were there was a choir practice. Carol was at the choir practice. I was in a meeting. And we had $25 in our, in our, it, it, that's all we had, $25. That was it. And that was supposed to last, you know, through the week, and we were supposed to be able to eat on it and all of that. And I remember the Lord said to me, there was another, there was an, a, a guy there, him and his wife were having financial challenges. Pretty tough. They were a young couple. And the Lord said, give him your money. And I said, no. <laughs> but you can't fight with the Lord, you know. You have, to, you have to go and do that. So I remember, you know, after I uh, pulled him aside, I said, you know what? The Lord just spoke to me. I need to, to bless you. And I pulled out the money, and I gave him 20, the 25 bucks. We're, we're, we ha- we, I don't know if we have enough gas to get back home. But I wa- as I walk over, Carol's over in the choir, she was walking toward me, and she said, while we were in choir practice, someone came up to me and handed me $50. At, and we calculated it was the same time. When I was handing the 25 they were hander, handling $50. You might say that's a coincidence, but there's too many of them to not see how God works. And what you see in the way that, the, that God works is you open up doors of blessing when you are, you know, when you operate this way. I remember we, we got a little bit more um, resources based upon, um, th- this, was, this was before actually I went in ministry. We had, we had some money, Carol and I, I was actually um, uh, working at a machine shop. We had a little extra money and we helped a young college student to, to, to get into college. I think it was like a hundred bucks we, we had given them and um, given him. And uh, so I don't know all, can't remember all the story uh, around, around that. Just this is what happened in the meantime. I ended up being called to go to Bible school, to the ministry, full time calling. And so um, I signed up, I quit my job. And uh, there was a couple of miracles how that all happened. But the Lord had said very clearly, it wasn't one of those, you know, just a whim thought, you know, just I'm going to go to Bible college and I want to go. And it wasn't that. God really had made it clear that there's actually never been anything more clear to me um, because I really had a visitation of the Lord that was very real. And um, so I decided to go to Bible school. And uh, it was an act of faith. I quit my job. I, um, I, I decided, I'm, you know, I got a part-time job at a bank at that point, And I was, um, you know, whatever resources we had, but we didn't have enough. And so I got to get started operating in faith. And then the first, you know, the f- first uh, time that I need to make the next payment, for school, I walked up basically to say, listen, I don't have the money. 
I'm probably going to have to drop out of school. Well, what I didn't know, it had been a couple weeks earlier that there was this um, Wednesday night, there was this young woman who came to the church. She was from Ohio, and she was visiting a family member. She came to church, and that, that evening, uh, Carol and I walked up. She was talking to the pastor. We walked up and uh, introduced ourselves, and we started a conversation. And in that conversation, he asked about us. When I, I, you know, we told her that uh, I was going to Bible college. We didn't really know her. She was just this visitor. And it was a very short conversation where I said, we're just going to Bible college. Never mention any financial issues, nothing. So when I go to pay my payment that I don't have and to tell them I'm going to have to drop out, they tell me it's paid for. And I wanted to find out who it was. Well, it was this single woman that we didn't even know that God put it on her heart to pay our payment. We really didn't have enough. And in fact, she made my school payment for two years. Completely covered it while I was going to Bible college. And then... I got a raise. That, by that time, I'd become a, a pastor, and, and finally the church said, okay, we're going to give you after two years. Um, I, they gave us a little raise, and it was enough for me to pay, make my payment. And when the, the day after I got the raise, I got a letter in the mail that said, um, I, you know, I'm, I was happy to be able to help. I'm getting married, and uh, I won't be able to help anymore. God provides. I just, this is a life, I believe this is not unique. Many of you have stories of God's provision, and they might not be sometimes as dramatic, but they're real. Where God has a way of just meeting your needs at the time that you have, have those needs. And usually, the need is not met early. It's met on time. And this timely meeting for this woman that she doesn't even know that this is in fact an opportunity. This is a this is a lifesaver for her and she didn't even know it was coming. Now, it says here as we take a look a little bit further um, um, verse 13 and Elijah said to her, "Do not fear." Do not fear. Go and do as I have said, but make me a small cake from it first and bring it to me. And afterward, make some for yourself and your son. For thus says the Lord God of Israel, the bin of flour shall not be used up, nor shall the jar, jar of oil run dry until the day the Lord sends rain on the earth. What do you have need of? in your life. Give away what you have need of and you'll find it returned to you. Pressed down, shaken together, running over, the scripture says. It will come back to you. So many 
times we dry up the very thing that we need because we're grabbing onto that as our provision or safety or whatever it is that we're holding on to. See, there is only one provider. There are many means of provision, but only one provider. And God loves it when we get the, you know, the light bulb goes on and we recognize he's the provider. Because when you recognize God as the provider, you never again live a life of fear that you won't have enough. That's what he's wanting to free her from, the fear of not having enough. And so she is asked to give out of her need. That even makes it worse, but not really. Really, I mean, all she's giving up is a little bit of her last meal. She's going to die anyhow. And yet, that's what we do. We'll oftentimes grab onto what we think we don't have because we don't have enough. Well, we already don't have enough. And what, we, what God asks of us is to open up and give out of our needs so that he then can operate out of that little element of faith that we are exhibiting at that moment and respond to that little bit of faith to give us more and to bless us more. And, and, uh, and, and God is doing this for this woman. He's helping her to understand that he is not just the, the provision is coming in her giving, but he's the provider. And he will make sure she is provided for in whatever she needs. I was, um, I remember uh, studying about during the Great Depression in America when people were so, in so ne much need. The church, our, our kind of mother church, uh, Angelus Temple, back in that time, was feeding more people than the government in, in L.A., millions of people were being fed by that church. Why? Because the people in that church were being provided for. By who? The provider. See, the provider was taking care of the people, his people, so they could in turn provide for others. I don't know where we're going. There's all kinds of talk about economic, you know, disaster. And and uh, one of the guys that I kind of follow, and uh, um, his, uh, his view of things is the United States is probably going to do best of all the nations. Right now, China is, um, they're closing the banks in China. I don't know if you know that. People can't get their money out. For the first time, it almost looked like Tiananmen Square. They're having sit-outs in front of the banks with thousands of people because they can't get their money out. Well, that does, what does that do to an economy? Um, it's pretty devastating. And so, I mean, it's happening all over the world. And, and whether it happens here at that level or not, I don't know if it's going to. I, I, I don't, I'm not an economist. But this is what I do know, that God sometimes uses an Elijah and a drought to bless his people so that they can bless the people who do not know him.
And if the church acts like the world and becomes hoarders, then the church blocks the blessing that would come through them to reach others. And so the worst thing you can do, as this woman would learn, is like, no, this is my last meal. And Elijah is pulling out of her, you know, he's helping her to open up so that the next blessing could come to her. It says in verse 15, so she went away and did according to the word of Elijah, and she and, and he and her household ate for many days. So she would go to the bin. It says, the bin of flour was not used up, nor did the jar of oil run dry according to the word of the Lord, which, which um, he spoke to Elijah. Now, I want you to imagine, she gives what she has. She eats her last meal. She goes to the jar in the morning, and there's more. Where'd that come from? She goes for the oil, and there's more. And now, it's not full, but it's enough for the next day. Not just for her, but for Elijah. So she has more than enough just for her family. She has enough to share, and she does. And the next day, she goes, I thought I emptied it out. It's there again. And every day. Now, some of you are going, yeah, but she was just having, you know, oil and bread. Yeah, it probably got old. But she had plenty. And she did it. What was she waiting for? When did Elijah said it would end? When it rained. It, that the rain is going to come. There's going to be plenty. There's going to be abundance. But while there is you know, while, while there's, there's a drought, while there isn't plenty, you're going to have more than enough. You're going to have enough for yourself and others. You're going to be able to give, be a blessing to others because the flow is coming through you. Now, you might not have enough faith for that. I wonder how many of us would be willing at the time when we were down to our last meal to share it. But those who have the faith, I wonder what would have happened if she didn't share. What if she said, no, I'm not giving you any of the cake. It's for me and my son, and that's all. Would things have been different for her? And I would suspect yes. I would suspect she would not have received the blessing that came to her if, in fact, she had dried it up. Don't dry it up. Be willing to, to give to God what is God's. And to say to the Lord, you are my provision. Nothing else. So she, um, so she does this for many, the scripture says, it, it happened according to, as Elijah said, and now it happened after these things that the son of the woman who owned the house became sick. I, I want you to see something else in this. Her son gets sick, 
And his sickness was so serious that there was no breath left in him. In other words, he died. It's a way of saying he died. There was no breath left in him. So her son dies. Now, get this. It seems like good things are happening. She's seeing a miracle every day. Her, the prophet is there in her home. God's there. God's working. And her son dies. Did her son die because the prophet was there? I don't think so. I don't think Elijah had anything to do with her son's death. I think he would have died anyhow. But I think it's a good thing that the prophet was there. Because the scripture says it happened, they get sick and he dies. And verse 18 says, so, so she said to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come to me to bring my sin to remembrance and to kill my son? These, isn't it interesting, this is the way we oftentimes think. Something bad happens and we filter it through, what did I do wrong? Now, it's not wrong to say, you know, if I've, if I've sinned and I haven't repented, I need to repent before the Lord. I don't want anything between me and the Lord and, and that. But this is where we filter. If we start filtering everything that seems bad in our life through um, our own guilt, this is why Jesus came. To free us from shame and guilt in our life so that we never have to come to God carrying our guilt with us. That we can come to God pure and whole and right in a right place with God knowing that our God not, not only loves us but we have favor with God. And that when things bad that do happen to our lives we can go in another direction with that. We can trust that God will do good and make good things happen out of it. He makes promises that, that he will t turn everything in our life into good. We can, we can look and, through that process and maybe recognize that the enemy might be working and we can come against that in the name of Jesus, use the authority that God's given us to come against that and stop it in the name of Jesus. We, we, can, we can process in our life that God is good in spite of all these things. But right now, she's just had her son die and she is, you know, she's wondering, is this because you have, you know, bad intentions? So, so she says to Elijah, what have I to do with you, O man of God? Have you come for this? And, uh, and he said to her, give me your son. I think that's a word for some of us. God would say, give me your son. Give me your daughter. Some of you have been holding on and you need to just let go and let God handle things. God wants to deal with some things. And maybe and some of you, your daughters, some of your sons are in a place that you're trying to hold on. Keep them from, you know, making decisions and they're grown up and you're trying to stop and you are more in a hindrance than a blessing and you need to release them to God. Let God take care of it. God can do that. He's big enough. You don't have to fix everything. Let God do his job. And so it says, <clears throat> he, he said, give me your son. And, uh, and he took him out of her arms and carried him up the 
to, to the upper room where he was staying and laid him on his own bed. And then he cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord, my God, have you also brought tragedy on the widow, widow with whom I lodge by killing her son? That was not the case. And he stretched, stretched himself out on the, child, on the child three times and cried out to the Lord and said, O Lord God, I pray, let this child's soul come back to him. I want you to notice he did it three times. I, I've never done that. But I know some folks who have. In hopes that they would bring resurrection. And I know of people, um, not personally, but I know of people from people I trust who were there uh, who've seen resurrected people. In fact, there has been documented, I think, nine cases in Sri Lanka in the churches there. M amazing stories. And other places around the world as well. But here's the point. Sometimes we give up too quickly. Here's a prophet of God. And the first time he did it, nothing happened. Second time, for me, I'd go, listen, two times on that dead body is enough. But Elijah doesn't stop. He believes. He knows. And he, um, he prays. And, uh, and, and it says, And the Lord heard the voice of Elijah, and the soul of the child came back to him, and he revived. And Elijah took the child and brought him down from the upper room into the house and gave him to his mother. And Elijah said, See, your son lives. And the woman said to Elijah, Now by this I know that you are a man of God, that the word of the Lord in your mouth is the truth. I don't know. I, I actually was going to title this, What to Do in a Famine. But I think that's, I'm going too far with that. I, I'm not worried about a famine. And we grow our own tomatoes. So, <laughs> what what it is that I do believe is very important is when the church, because the church has made decisions to trust God as provider, then God can use the church to reach unbelieving widows and everybody else in a way that we could not otherwise. That the provision that comes to us by God, the blessing that comes to us by God, allows for us to be a tool in the hand of the living God. And for the world to see God's blessing in our lives, he does desire to bless us. And there are, uh, you know, there's a room full of Elijahs here. And, and people who are willing to say to God, Lord, whatever you want, I'm willing to do. But first of all, before we can ever get there, you've got to lay down your fear. And some of you have been bound. I've talked to some folks in our church that have just been bound by economic fear. And some of you have closed up. Man, you've got that last meal hidden, you know, in the pot. And, uh, and the only way 
you can be in the flow. I, I'm not saying that if you give your last meal away that you're going to, you know, win the lotto. I'm not, I'm not that guy. But I can say that God is a provider in ways that you cannot imagine. And if you'll just give, if you'll just lay down your fear and start trusting him, you'll find that God will meet you in that place. He, he is, he's promised it over and over and over again. God will take care of you. Will you trust him? Well, you see, there are many ways of provision, but there's only one provider, and it's him. Well, Father, I thank you. Today, I ask that you would open up the windows of heaven and pour out blessing that we don't have room enough to contain. Lord, I pray, Lord God, you would release people from this binding fear in their life. And that, Lord, instead, Lord, release them to faith. Lord, today, Lord, the church does not need to be bound by all the talk about negative future. We have a different economy. We are children of the living God. And God, your economy is all that counts. We trust you in that. Father, I pray for anyone here that, Lord, is operating in fear because they don't know you. They've never accepted you. Lord, I pray today they would open their hearts and say yes to you. And if that's you, if you've not known the Lord, he loves you. He cares about you. He died for you. He paid the ultimate price. He knows your needs. He'll forgive you of all your sins. He'll help you to start a new life in him. And all you have to do is by faith say, Jesus, come into my life. I believe you died for my sins. You were buried and you conquered death. So I ask you to be my savior. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Yes, they are. Oh, all your 
Meet the pastors over here in the overflow room between services. God bless you. Have a blessed week.